Emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a month. the Disney Guys Uncensored. This is episode 136, recorded on April 4th, 2022. We are your hosts, Tim, Jordana, and Bub. On tonight's episode, we're taking a look at some of the world-class shows at Walt Disney World. But before that, a bit of news. Tim, what do we got? Guardians of the Galaxy finally has an opening date, May 27th, 2022. This is in line with the vice president of product who accidentally leaked this date over two months ago, I think, at this point. Uh, registration emails have already gone out today for annual pass holders and DVC members to register for preview days, as well as a tease, uh, either email or message went out to some D23 Gold members at least. Uh, Bob, you're a D23 Gold member this year, right? Did you uh, get anything to that effect? I did not. All right. Well, keep I'm a not, lookout on I'm that. I'm not that good of a Gold member. Um so, first of all, just totally shocked this is opening before Tron, but I guess Epcot needs another attraction way more than the Magic Kingdom, but it just blows my mind that we're getting this brand new thing before Tron, but we've talked a lot about that before. Traditional character meet and greets, complete with hugs, autographs, and high fives, will be back in the parks later this month on April 18th. Uh, they're going to return them in phases throughout the spring until the early summer, and I'm sure... These will be rushed onto that Lightning Lane Genie Plus system to help ease demand, especially in the parks with fewer attractions where those Genie Plus reservations are going every morning instantly by nine o'clock. Uh, Disney has announced the construction of two new solar arrays that will more than double the energy resources of Walt Disney World. The two new 75 megawatt arrays will be located in Gilchrist County and Polk County on over a thousand total acres, enabling them to harness the sun's power without depending on sunny skies in only one area. With this expansion, Disney will become one of the largest commercial consumers of solar in the state, and the new arrays are expected to be online by early 2023 and will produce over 375,000 megawatt hours, which is the equivalent of removing 29,500 cars from the roads every year. Uh, If this was the old version of the show, we would do a whole episode on this for Earth Day. Thankfully... We won't be doing that. Um, After nearly two years of operating at a reduced capacity, Walt Disney World's resorts have finally all reopened with All-Star Sports finally rejoining the team this week. Uh, Along with that, Disney has confirmed that the cultural representative program will return this summer. They are already reaching out to former representatives, see if they're interested in rejoining the team or know of friends or family who would be interested in that. And the Disney Institute Uh, will resume in-person instruction in May, which means once that stuff all happens, Disney will kind of be back to a pre-pandemic state with uh, all the shows and hotels 
entertainment and education options back in place. Speaking of shows, that's what we're talking about this week. All that live entertainment that is now back and reopened at Disney, as well as looking at some of the hits of the past. So, Bob, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I would just like to add uh, in the in the interest of the WWE Hall of Fame induction this week and The Undertaker hitting me with a never say never. I'm going to say never say never on another Earth Day episode. That Never say Agreed. never on another Earth Day episode. Agreed. Never say but, never. But Earth Day is this month. Yeah, I mean, we don't book like three months out like we used to. So never say never. We could be doing an Earth Day episode in two weeks. I'm just saying. All right, guys, vote with your words. Send us a message. If you're, if you're chomping at the bit for that classic Disney Guys Uncensored three and a half hour multi-topic Earth Day extravaganza, let us know. And, and I you promise you that I, can, us. I promise you, the listener, I can get my old partner in crime back for that episode. So I'm actually going to be sick that week, guys. Never say that. never on an Earth Day episode because they're a lot of fun to do, said no one ever. Anyway, we're going to talk about shows tonight. Something we love on this program. Shows, fun things to do, little diversions. Um, I think the biggest thing for me here was... We never really talked about scope of shows that we were doing, and I, I'm glad that we kind of all agreed unofficially without saying so that we kind of left out the nighttime shows, firework shows, stuff like that. And they're kind of their own category. Uh, we're not going to go too in-depth on a lot of the older shows. I think we will talk about some of our favorites that are no longer with us. I know that um, Jordana's husband, Guy, had a question or two about what what we would do with a certain space for a show. Um, so I'm looking forward to it tonight. I think that the shows at Disney, and uh, two or three of them on this list, are can't miss almost Broadway quality productions. And I think if you're going to talk shows at Disney World, the best park to start in, believe it or not, is Animal Kingdom, because it houses two of the best shows. I would like to touch on one we, we aren't going to touch too much on it uh was the birds in flight show uh or the ups you know, Up, bird a bird adventure. adventure as it's known yeah. now uh, aggressively so, mediocre show yeah it, it's fine if you like tropical birds and things it, it's a fun little diversion um not one i would ever really give a ringing endorsement to but the other two shows that we're going to talk about from animal kingdom are absolutely must see can't miss them and we're going to start in the village of harambe at I think Tim's favorite show, my favorite show on property, and I would say Jordana's favorite. It's everyone's favorite show on property. That is, of course, Festival of the Lion King. And for those of you at home that haven't listened in a couple of weeks, we did mention uh, I think two or three weeks ago the Tumble Monkeys will be back this summer. Uh, so that's very exciting. Tim, Jordana, opening thoughts on that show. It, it's been with the park. It was at Camp Mini Mickey when the park first opened, and then when Pandora showed up. It was very easy to take that land, and everything Ken Mini Mickey's gone. Pocahontas and her forest friends, the character trails, all of it's gone. This show was so good, they used one of the expansion pads in Africa to build a brand new enclosed theater with air conditioning, because the original theater was junk. It, it was a, a, an outdoor amphitheater type thing, and it was hot as the dickens, as Animal Kingdom is one to be. It was in the middle of the jungle. It didn't really make sense where it was. It moving to Harambe is the greatest thing to happen for this show, in my opinion, um, since the show happened, I guess, really. So, Tim, 
You're not really a huge fireworks guy, but are you a shows guy? I do enjoy a show. It's a great way to break up the day because I'm not always like go back to the hotel during the day to take a break guy, although more and more now I've been doing that. This show, though, as you mentioned, it's not almost Broadway quality. This is Broadway quality. And in some ways with the Lion King Broadway show starting to get a little bit older, um, it surpasses that show in in, in some of its set pieces and um, technical prowess. On top of that, in the new new Earth theater that it's in, it, it's Broadway style show as theater in the round, which is simply doesn't exist in your big theater districts in New York or Boston or London or Washington D.C. Um, it's rare that you get to see a show of this level of technical theater as theater in the round, and it's just. Absolutely spectacular. The the sets, the fact that they, they can wheel them in and out the way they do, and combined with the performers, it, it just transcends uh, what you think of as theme park entertainment to really be something super, super special. You know, it's funny. This has nothing to do with The Lion King, but uh, Festival Lion King, my favorite theme park I've ever seen. I will tell you, though, up uh, Canopy Lake up in New Hampshire here, they do like a um, past stars of music uh tribute show in their little uh, like bingo hall setup and it is fantastic so if you ever get up there don't even know why how we get on that but here we are welcome to these guys uncensored where i just say whatever i want about things that have nothing to do with the topic um so jordana 40 minute show and tons of aerialists acrobats uh, an uber talented cast and i i believe uh, most of this soundtrack is on Apple Music. I think the Tumble Monkey song is actually not included. I'd have to take a look. Um, but I know most of this is on there. Super talented cast, like like Tim had said. Is this one that you and the kids or you and Guy have to have to check out? And and again, I, I, I'm not even asking that to be uh, condescending. I'm asking it as a, is this a family show as the travel agent uh, of, the, of the podcast? Absolutely. I think so. So one thing that I remember the pandemic is that they make it very interactive. There's one point where they actually take a couple kids from the audience and they, they kind of do like a little parade around um, the stage and stuff. Um, but I don't know if they've brought that back for safety reasons, but um, that is something I didn't even realize it was 40 minutes by the way, because this show is so good. It just goes by so quick. Um, it's something that, you know, it, it, it transitions very well where there's no like, you know, awkward period of like, Oh, the kids are going to get bored sitting here. You know, it's, it's constantly like, wow, look at the monkeys, look at, you know, the flying birds, look at that, you know, that, and the music is insane. It's amazing. Um, definitely one of our favorites though, for our house. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. This show also, Tim does show up in Hong Kong as well. Um, not a ton of these shows that we're going to talk about do translate from coast to coast or from North America to, to other parts of the world. This is one of them that does. Does that speak to just the universal tones of the Lion King being the Lion King? Well, I, mean, I think it's just a massive international hit and one of Disney's biggest hits ever. And the fact that the Lion King stage show is, I believe, the most profitable single entertainment thing ever. So the the idea of bringing that Lion King stage show into other places when it is was at one point such a huge cultural phenomenon is also a draw for Disney. Uh, to Jordana's point about it 
not realizing it's 40 minutes. I will tell you when you can realize exactly when it's 40 minutes. Uh, a number of years ago, Rachel and I had a, a flight of passage fast pass back when those were extremely hard to get. And we, uh, you know, went into a showing of the Lion, Festival of Lion King. We weren't exactly um, sure how long it was. And then the time started ticking down and we uh, we had to be the first ones out the door once it ended and sprint down that wooden uh, dock bridge thing into the back of Pandora, right into that fast pass line. Because uh, we thought we were going to lose our exclusive fast pass to Flight of Passage back when they were real strict about return times on that one. Which that um, little bridge or whatever is literally the the best spot to just hang out if you need to get away from the crowds and stuff like that. I just just a side. Also, premium viewing for the boat cavalcades that they do through uh, Animal Kingdom. And also, low key, best way to get to Pandora if you're willing to walk, just to not walk down the main path into Pandora. Just brilliant. Takes you right next to kind of uh, the general area of Flight of Passage and uh, the Satuli Cantina, kind of on that side of the land, instead of ending up on the other side near uh, Navi River Journey, which is Andrew's favorite attraction. So uh, also, Tim, across the park from Animal, across the park, almost perfectly symmetrically across diagonally from where this is in Africa over in Asia and Dino Land, and I will argue to the death, I think we've talked about this on this show before when we did our Dino, Dino Land episode, that I don't understand to this day how the Theater in the Wild is considered to be in Dino Land. But Theater in the Wild does used to host Finding Nemo the Musical. That technically is not running anymore. It's not running right now. Uh, opening up, I, I want to say in the next month or two, is Finding Nemo the Big Blue and Beyond, which is a musical telling of a non-musical film. And it's funny to me, and and I know both of you, uh, Tim, you obviously are are a theater guy. You've been to a ton of shows. You you grew up, you you went there in the summers with your family. You went to see shows on Broadway. Jordana, I know how you feel about Disney music. The fact that they're taking Finding Nemo, which is not a musical in any way, and present it as a musical. This, if it's not the best show in the park, and it's not, might be the most creative use of an intellectual property in a show that we're going to talk about tonight, using those characters in the way that they do. Jordana, Finding Nemo the Musical, is it the best place for air conditioning in Animal Kingdom? No. Um, it's not? Yeah, what? Listen, this is like, I thought this was just facts. Listen. Straight up facts. <laughs> oh my goodness, I... you walk by that place, the door's open and it's cold outside. I have to. I have something to admit, I have never seen this show. Oh, well there you uh, go. Oh, wow. Wow. So, no, we just we just happen to miss it every time. Like there's there's some days where there's only like four to six shows and it's like, I don't know, we always have like a lightning lane or Mm -hmm. a dining reservation or something at those times. And it's just hard to get to that area of the park. So that is actually, Jordan, an excellent point for both of these shows because of their 40 minute run times. You are probably limited to about five or six showings a day on average for the for this show. There are yeah. there are some days, as Duran said, where it's just four because or yep. on short park days in the middle of the week during the slow season. Right. Animal yep. Kingdom is not open for that long. Nope. So if you have the opportunity to get to these shows. So, Jordana, thanks for you know being honest about never having seen the show. Tim, let's Sorry. talk a little bit about Finding Nemo. I, uh, it, the, the puppetry is amazing. It, AC is on point and yep. 
while Festival of the Lion King is certainly the the platinum standard, the the if you were going to recommend one show on Walt Disney World property to people, that that's the one that hits everything is most accessible. This is probably my my personal favorite show on Walt Disney property. <laughs> it's just so creative and, and is such a true stage adaptation of something because, as you said, they take a non-musical film, turn it into a musical. It's also a film about underwater creatures on a stage with yeah. humans, which means you get to see a lot of this really creative stuff with puppetry and lighting effects. Yeah. Um, it deviates enough from the actual film that it doesn't feel like a book report. This is really a true theater experience in a theme park. And I feel like this show has gotten some hate from people who like don't get it and don't want to sit and watch a actual musical theater production mm -hmm. for 40 minutes during yep. their theme park vacation. But for somebody who, who has the opportunity to go to parks quite a bit and um, knows I'm going to be back, I, I can't think of something better to do with my 40 minutes of Animal Kingdom than, than check out this kind of somehow hidden gem in the biggest theater on, on property. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Tim, because this theater, and we'll talk about one of the shows in a little bit that I know Jordana would bring back, has how it housed the Jungle Book initially, and then it housed Tarzan Rocks. And those were, again, when Animal Kingdom opened, they were big into that open theater concept, and they closed those theaters in to, and I will tell you, the air conditioning, bar none, the best air conditioning in, in Animal Kingdom, and it's not even close it is you walk by and the doors open it's cold walking by the theater it's it's incredible it's a great feeling i digress finding the musical tim for me was an instant classic in terms of theme park shows when it opened it just hits every note and i like you said the the uniqueness and the creativity of the puppetry and the set designs and the use of color in this show Truly a stunning show to see if you have the chance, Jordana. Just saying, you go down there enough, go see the show. I mean, this, you know, this truly you... feels like if they, they were able to stretch it out into two hours, that yep. you could just take the sets, take the lighting design, take the puppets, and, and, and put this on Broadway or, you know, put this in a 100%. touring company and, you know, take it through Boston and Providence and yep. LA and all those. Because, I mean, this is truly Broadway caliber um, sets and lighting and everything. It, Absolutely blows me away every time I see it. Which is a great segue for our next show. We're going to head over to Disney Hollywood Studios to one of the longest running stage shows in any Disney theme park. Of course, we're not going to include like Hoopty Doo, which I think obviously in stage productions on property, but in terms of being in the theme park proper, uh, Beauty and the Beast live on stage has the distinction of opening in a very brazen way. I mean, maybe they knew what they had. They opened this attraction, this show, on the same day that the film was released in November of 1991. If that isn't a vote of confidence to the film and to this show, I don't know what is. Tim, it's in the Theater of the Stars Amphitheater over in Hollywood Studios on uh, Sunset Boulevard, which was part of the first expansion to Hollywood Studios, which eventually led to Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror coming at the end there. Um, this show, the complete opposite, I feel like, of what we just talked about with Finding Nemo. This is a shot-for-shot shot greatest hits of Beauty and the Beast in about 25 minutes, hits all the notes, has costumes that are nowhere near the quality of what Broadway gives you for Beauty and the Beast, 
but it's not to diminish the product here at the theme park. What are your thoughts on Beauty and the Beast live on stage? Uh, I am I'm not nearly as big a fan of this as I am of the other two, just mm-hmm. because it is such a rote production. Uh, yep. For me, this will always stick out as this is what my wife, then girlfriend or fiance would do when she didn't wasn't comfortable doing launch roller coasters. So I would go do single rider on rocking roller coaster and she would go see Beauty and the Beast live on stage. I haven't seen this show in years and years. Um, I saw it enough as a kid that it, there's there's nothing new there of all the things we're going to talk about. I think this is the one I feel most strongly they could put something more meaningful here. Yeah. Um, that said, I mean, I also think that Beauty and the Beast snuck up on the Walt Disney Company as a hit. I think they knew it was going to do well. They didn't know that it was going to be their like first big contender for yeah. like an Academy Award outside of animation and all that. But at that mm-hmm. time, the model that Eisner was using in the parks was much more of a day and date. And it wasn't until they had a couple flops back to back where they were like, oh, we can't spend all the money to do a full attraction before we know if the thing is going to succeed. Yep. Um, so I don't know if it was a vote of confidence as much as this is how they were doing business then. You know what? You're right, Tim, because they did do a Hunchback of Notre Dame musical on the back lot yep. stage in uh, in the studios as well, back when it was uh, very much a production facility. So it's actually a good point. I never really thought about that angle on that before. Jordana, you were grimacing as Tim was bringing down this show. Yeah, this is one of my favorite ones. Um, I think because it's so similar to the movie and I just love the movie and this is, you know, it's it's personal to me because it's like like my husband and I danced to one of the songs at our wedding. And st- this is like a show that we've watched together multiple times on our vacations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, but one point I do want to bring up is uh, did has anyone seen the videos of the social distancing uh, show um, of this? Like it was also it was on TikTok where it was just like they can't they weren't touching each other. So like the awkwardness of like when Beast is turning into Prince Adam and it's like she's like, I don't know, like six feet apart and she can't touch him. And like it's just it's very, very awkward acting and they do the best that they can do for the circumstances. But it just did not look good for, you know, being in a people production where you need your mask off and stuff like that. No, I did well, not see that. That is very strange sounding. Though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it sounds like an interpretive dance version. of it, it, it was. And it was just not, it was just not. Now I'm not so, crazy. This is not the only beauty and the beast live show on property, right? There's like story time with bell have, or something. Um, yep, so story time with bell. Uh, the, the enchanted story time with bell is what you're talking about. Oh, right? Magic yeah, yeah. And they have the sing along at the fan, in the France Pavilion. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. Okay. The story. It, that's more of a, uh, um, like a. There's like a effect show, right? Like there's story It's, it's another that. retelling of Beauty and the Beast, but like yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. So it is funny to me. Before I talk about Theater of the Stars a little bit more and some of its history, I love Beauty and the Beast. It's a top three Disney movie for me. Um, I can't believe that it is. 30 years later and the show was still playing with minimal changes. When the live action came out, they changed some of the costumes over. Then they changed it back. I can't believe this show is still playing. And this isn't a stage production of dare I say frozen, which we'll talk about in a minute or, or a stage production of whatever is current 
uh, dare I say, like a Raya retelling or Encanto or something like that. I, I just can't believe that this show has sustained 30 years of uh, of runtime. It, it seems crazy to me. I, I don't think the point, the, the relationship I have with the show could be understated. This is a show that is adjacent to the two thrill rides that people who don't like thrill rides and children who can't mm-hmm. ride thrill rides will go to. Although we are going to talk about another Hollywood studio show uh, in that that has been added to that same area that fills that niche also. But I yeah. think that's part of it. If you have a hit on your hands that you don't need to retrain actors and make new costumes and new sets, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Um, because you really Tim, need if I something. Told you, to... If I told you we're going to get a Zootopia stage show, you'd be all in for it. You'd oh, be here abs- for it. Absolutely. But <laughs> during that same time, I'm going to go on Rocket Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror. I, Correct. I, you don't need to draw me off with a stage show. I'm already doing something in right. that part of Hollywood Studios. So that's why yeah. I, maybe you just keep this and keep the excitement at a dull roar rather than make mm-hmm. a new show that people are going to go nuts for and you're going to need to yeah. manage crowds. So I will say Theater of the Stars has been used for a lot of different things over its lifetime. Um, and the best thing was the um, the Pixar, a symphony of, of sound, where they actually had a an orchestra, a multi-piece orchestra in the theme park, playing the scores and music from the Pixar movies. And that was really, for like one summer, it was the, the summer of magical moments, whatever it was, it was a, an excellent, um, highly recommended show. It obviously was a very limited run, but they've done quite a few things over in Theater of the Stars. They use it uh, sometimes, I believe, for some of the cheer competitions as well uh, for kind of offshoot stuff. Um, pretty big amphitheater, pretty cool, and you kind of, you know, they then they built up the Hollywood amphitheater there behind it where Fantasmic takes place. So it, it's a fine show. I don't think anyone's losing sleep over it. One that I'm going to turn over to Tim now, uh, not one I'm enamored with, not one that I care if it exists or not, but I think Tim has some really cool stories about it. So Tim, we want to talk about that next one that I think um, is something that I talked about, maybe putting Frozen in uh, Theater of the Stars. They've gone a different direction. Yeah, so uh, for the first time in forever, uh, Frozen sing-along celebration, uh, you've probably heard uh, more about this last week than you've heard in years and years because it went super viral on TikTok. There was a adorable TikTok of a little girl just crying and losing her mind at the big part of Let It Go uh, in the front row of that show. And it, this show is super interesting because this kind of was the modern version of what they did with Beauty and the Beast live on stage where Frozen ends up being a huge hit that they weren't suspecting uh, and they rush to get some presents for Frozen in the parks. And what they decide is the music was such a hit and everybody in the world knew all the words to it. Let's just do this sing along. Uh, it was supposed to be temporary, like a couple of months temporary. And now it's been running for years and years and years. But with all the uh, press that that TikTok got last week, there was all these cast members who have worked at Hollywood Studios or worked on that show who were sharing these stories in this thread. And some of them were amazing. Um, the costumes for the original version of it uh, were very minimal. And in fact, they sent the ca- the, the, the actors and singers for the show over to Epcot to raid the various countries' wardrobes to kind of assemble Frozen-esque costumes out of various countries' wardrobes because they were retiring several of the country's wardrobes uh, 
and those clothes were available. So the first uh, couple of months of the show during the quote unquote temporary run of it uh, was just salvaged old Epcot uniforms. Uh, additionally, this show has been at or is at in some form at every park except for uh, Tokyo. Uh, so it was a limited engagement in Hong Kong, a limited engagement in Paris. Uh, both of these were, again, longer than intended, but are gone now. And then it is permanent in Shanghai. It is literally the exact same show we have with a slightly different name in a permanent theater with a little bit more extravagant costuming. But uh, I think this is similar to Beauty and the Beast, but kind of the total opposite. Um, People love Frozen, and if this gets the job done, something that Disney has probably spent zero dollars on in its lifetime, then again, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Jordana, do you have any special uh, memories or connection to this show? Well, I mean, I don't really have anything super special besides trying to embarrass my husband probably on our honeymoon when I was just belting out songs. Um I'm so I always say this. I always wanted a girl because I'm a very princessy person, and obviously I ended up with two boys. But I still love I love watching princess movies. I love singing along to these things. I absolutely I am that little girl on TikTok sitting there crying watching the show. Okay, it is something that it's something. There's something about it that it's just a lot of fun. It's very magical. It's very Disney. Um, and it's just something that I really look forward to seeing the show every time we go to Hollywood Studios. Can you picture it, Bub? Me crying in the front row? I mean, I was going to reference a hip hop song from a couple summers ago where you are 100% that, that. But, you know, we're going to we're going to leave that one alone. And I'm not going to We're a family show. Damn it. It's still real to me. Um, no, listen, it's a fine little show. And I understand the need for frozen things in the park. It's super popular and. It, it, it makes sense. It, it's fine enough. I do actually low-key miss the American Idol experience. That was a really fun and interactive show that they did do in that theater that was kind of nothing like anything Disney's ever done before. And I know, Jordana, we referenced uh, in the previous, uh, when we were talking before we started recording, about how much you miss um, uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Play it. And it's just shows like that that... Disney did so well that obviously who wants to be a millionaire play. It is not a bankable franchise right now. And, and American Idol, despite still being on TV is not necessarily a bankable franchise like it used to be. So I understand the need to evolve and to change these shows, but man, when you think about Hollywood studios and the shows they used to have, I mean, you're talking about a place that had uh, Dick Tracy's uh, diamond double cross for like a cup of coffee. When the park first opened, you had the goosebumps show at Halloween time. Uh, Tim's got one that he wants to talk about a little later on. I'm not, not going to spoil it for you. It's fun. Uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame did it. Lights, Tim, camera, to, stunt yeah. or whatever. Yep. What Light, was that Lights, one? Motors, action, extreme Bad. stunt show. Loved it. Um, even, Tim, they used to, the WCW used to run wrestling events. WWE used to run wrestling events. They just had so many things in this park when this park was a quote-unquote working studio. You would spend hours, hours just going to shows. And, you know, it's ironic that we're talking about shows tonight. There's another show here that we want to talk about that's kind of, I think, needs to go. It is, of course, the Disney Junior Play and Dance Party. It's in the animation courtyard area. It's about 24 minutes long. features Doc McStuffins. It features Sophia the First and Jake and the Neverland Pirates and the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. To me, 
while Doc McStuffins is still an adorable little show and my kids still watch it, even Zachary at nine still kind of gets a chuckle from it. And I, I think there's so many more properties you could use. For instance, a puppy dog pals that it could be updated. It could be something else. To me, I have a plan for what I'm going to do with the area. But I, and I know, Tim, you probably don't have any real attachment to Disney Junior Play and Dancer. I'm not even sure you've ever probably seen it. I've been to I've never time. seen it, and I couldn't tell you what yeah. a Disney Junior show was. Yeah. So it's very much, you walk into like a little, like almost like a small carpeted room, and you, you sit on the floor, and the kids dance to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Jake. It, it's harmless fun. It's it's great for the kids. It's a place to kind of again use the air conditioning to your advantage. Jordana, did you ever have you ever gone to this show? I haven't. It's not something you know my kids would really be into just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you said, if they put Puppy Dog Pals in there, I mean, strictly there. strictly from seasons one, two, and three, uh, then we would oh, totally the new be Puppy Dog Pals. Not new to go, Puppy Dog Pals. New, Disney. Just, we know you're listening. Rough. Go rough. back. Oh, there that's a dog pod. That's a good that's one. A, yeah, yeah. You're we welcome. know you're listening. Go back uh, to the original. So it's a fine little show if you have kids. Go check it out. But not one that I'm going to give you a full recommendation on. Another one that they've opened up fairly recently, which I think I was more excited for and then less excited for. But, Tim, this kind of goes to your theory earlier about having a diversion for the kids that can't ride Tower of Terror or rock and roller coaster of course it's lightning mcqueen racing's academy which is a continuously running 10 to 12 minute show uh with lightning mcqueen it's kind of like a ted talk uh, and that's not the only time i'm gonna make a ted talk reference tonight it's like a ted talk uh with lightning mcqueen and yeah, yeah. no it is i mean it's i yeah, have you done it bob yeah one time one time yeah, same also one time it, it's a very impressive large animatronic of lightning Correct. mcqueen but the fact that they try to have it be something more than just Lightning McQueen up on a stage talking to you. And they try mm-hmm. to use the screens to make it as though there's motion and uh, yeah. dynamics to it. And I get it because it's cars. That's probably necessary. But it, it, the, the animatronic is having to do a lot of the lift and everything else going on is not helping it. And I thought this show was kind of neat, whatever you see it once. But then I went to Cars Land when I was out in Disneyland. <laughs> and yep. uh, this show is just absolute trash <laughs> once you've been in like cars galaxy's edge which is what cars land basically is and it's just such an odd location to me it, it's just and i get it i would have much rather preferred like a, a wally something or other there but even that wouldn't make sense physically in the location that it's in jordan you take the boys to lightning mcqueen's racing academy it's something that's it's interesting but i just mm-hmm. it's not great it's just there's not a ton to do there's not a ton to really look at it's just oh, it's, kind of around you and it's just yeah here it is um it's like a, it's like a half circle vision with an animatronic it's very odd yeah it's it's just not fully entertaining and i think you know they should they should try to do a little bit more of what's at disneyland and bring that over and it is a very odd area for where it is behind rock and roller coaster right i mean this I is definitely say, the same as Beauty and the Beast. This is for those who are not doing the thrill rides, but with right. even shorter attention spans than the, the the 25 minutes for Beauty and the Beast. I will say a few years ago, they were doing a villains after hours party out of the same building. And I will tell you that was awesome. That was fantastic. Um, but alas, here we are, Lady McQueen Racing Academy. Not you know, Another one that I don't know that you'd have to go out of your way to do. 
But if you got little kids into cars, then go for it. One that will get at least my full stamp of approval that has been open since like 1989 with minimal changes, obviously some script changes, obviously some other effect changes, is the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. This, Tim, surprisingly only runs 25 minutes. I agree with you. I think it runs, it feels like it's a longer show. Uh, it really gives you, again, very similar to what we were talking about with the other shows when the park opened. Much more of a production feel, less of a retelling, and more of a how they do that type thing. One thing I will say uh, outdoor theater, and it does seat 2,200 people or so, 2,150. Um, very rarely does it sell out, though. Uh, but it hasn't put the asses in the seat since the park reopened. It, it has been not close to capacity, but it has been filling up. Tim, this show is is a dream for people that I think grew up with like an Indiana Jones uh, a, a affection in, in their life. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like such a quintessential theme park experience, the stunt mm-hmm. show. Um, yep. And it is one of the few things that does retain that production character still at um hollywood studios i mean i know the only reason i know what a second unit director is is because of this show uh (laughs) you know that that whole stop blah 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 this is how we do it call the plant the audience plants out and all that stuff i mean reset it back up take it down all that stuff is burned into my head and i i guess i i will assume that's how stunts really do work in the movies but uh yeah this is just this is a classic if you've ever been to disney hollywood studios or uh, MGM Studios or any permutation of this park, uh, you've probably been to this show. It's probably burned into your brain. And it, it's just one of the great theme park stunt shows and one of the great theme park shows. I misspoke earlier when I said Finding Nemo is the biggest theater on property. I know mean, it was the biggest indoor theater on property. This is yeah, no, I, by far. In a, well, no, I don't know. Is this the biggest theater on property or is the, the lagoon for Fantasmic? It's probably. I got to think Fantasmic seats more than 2,100 people. I feel like Fantasmic seats like 50,000. It doesn't, but I feel like it when you're there and it's full. I feel, I like, feel like the whole park's there. It's yeah, like being yeah. at Fenway. It's like being at Fenway at a baseball exactly. game. It's, it's the worst, but I love the show. Um, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, I was just say, Jordana, do you, are, do you have the same sort of affection for this show that Bub and I obviously do? Or Yeah, I mean, I love that it's classic i love that it's still that hollywood feel um i hope that it never goes away uh because it's just something that like kind of teaches i don't know teaches the kids how how things how these action movies come together and i mean teaches the adults too but um and then it's also very interactive where they're you know talking to people in the audience and stuff like that so it does keep you very like engaged so it's funny, I'm going to rain in your parade a little bit when you say you hope it never goes away. Because I will tell you that for the 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 ROI on this oh, show, no. the ROI on this show for what gets put in and what gets put out and the space that that theater and the backstage area takes up, that is prime real estate for an expansion in in Hollywood Studios. One of the few pieces of land they have at Hollywood studios that could be ripe for a reimagineering. No, I don't, this isn't informed speculation. This isn't my Apple watch going off. This is just me looking at that piece of land and, and seeing this on a return investment really with, with the actors and the stunts and everything. That's a prime piece of land, a huge piece of land. When you take into account the queue and everything like that, and all the surrounding landscaping that they could absolutely do a bang up job, making it something else. Which goes back, I think, to a larger theory we've had where maybe Star Tours, because it's kind of its neighbor, doesn't survive either. 
you know, at some point, once Galaxy's Edge and the the Star Cruiser kind of take off, no pun intended, is this an is this an expansion area for them near the Backlot Express? That whole little corner of the park is just it's a it's a, Star Tours, Backlot Express, and Indiana Jones are a com- a complete relic compared to what Hollywood Studios is, and I wouldn't be surprised at some point in the next time, the next go round of the Hollywood Studios evolution, that this is the corner of the park that they choose. I'm just just again not I mean, speculation. Certainly is the acreage for a whole land expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be unfortunate if only because once you get rid of Star Tours, Backlot Express, and this. Even though Star Tours, the ride itself is now fully into like the Star Correct. Wars canon, but the outside of it still has that production quality. And you will yep. then excise the last of that working studio, how we make the movies production vibe yep. of Hollywood Studios. If you take those three pieces out. And I didn't want to say it because the, the next bit of land over from this parcel is Muppet Courtyard. And yeah, but. The, the land they would be making is Muppet land. So the Muppet courtyard fits Tim, right in with completely that, agree know? with you. Completely yes, agree I mean, with you. Yes. $10 billion dollar Muppet land is the next Star Wars Galaxy. Uh, let's, on, let's go. Outside chance that it's not Muppet land and it's a Marvel land with whatever they can use or something to that of something of that ilk. This is where it's going to go at Hollywood Studios. Not to say they're on borrowed time. But unfortunately, folks, we are on borrowed time. We don't want to overstay our welcome. Jordana, let's go to Epcot and check out what I think is your favorite Epcot attraction. Yeah. <laughs> so this one's fun. Um, Turtle Talk with Crush is a interactive show, but it's not really like a stage show like we've been talking about. Um, it's a little bit different where it's just pretty much like the screen in front of you, but Crush... Um, from Finding Nemo comes down to talk to the audience about some facts about turtles, about some facts about the sea, but ends up being completely hilarious, just like Crush is. And um, there was actually, again, I'm just keep going back to TikTok because that's apparently just what the kids are talking about these days. Apparently what and, we do. Huh? I mean, that's where Disney breaks all of their news now. That's right, where we got it is. Character meet back. That's where yeah. college programs back. That's where Disney's been doing their first run announcements on TikTok. So yes. I guess that's just how things work now. This is just how it is. So um, there was another viral TikTok that about um, one of the uh, audience members asked what Crush's favorite food was. And he said, you know, the green of the ground, whatever, kelp or whatever it was. And he asked, oh, what's your favorite food? And the, the guy in the audience said turtle soup. And like, he like hit away. So <laughs> it's just, and usually like a lot of the, like um, a lot of the audience members, there was another one where it was like, can you name all of your children? Well, Crush has like a million children. So he was just like, crush, 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 crush. <laughs> so it, that Like it is very funny. Um, Tim, is this one that you usually like? I, this is not an every trip one, just because it's like kind of tucked away in the seas. Um, it is a fun show, and it took me a long time to find out, and I, maybe it was obvious to realize, that this is actually like a person puppeteering a computer graphic crush. Um, and the next show we're going to talk about also works the same way. But I think that's really cool that it's actually an actor emoting and talking as crush, reacting to the audience. It's a creative use of cameras and microphones planted in and around that theater space to um, 
see what's going on in the theater and, and interact and react to that stuff while literally being the character from the movie. Um, and it, it's a fun mix of education and entertainment. Uh, it is in the seas, obviously. So it does just kind of it feels like a very high production version of something you'd see at the Mystic Aquarium if you're from the Northeast mm-hmm. or the um, the one of the big aquariums down in Atlanta or um, Maryland or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, for me, with Turtle Talk with Crushes, I want you to think of yourself as 10-year-old Tim and 10-year-old Jordana and go sit on the floor in the first couple of rows and not be completely blown away by what's happening. And that, this is where one of those things, I'm going to sell for a minute, this is Disney magic at its finest. This is what Disney parks should strive to be. And I'm not saying that everything needs to be a show with a screened puppeteer like Tim described it as, but the magic that this attract that this attraction in particular brings to that portion of the audience and that portion of their guests, that is what Disney should strive for with every attraction they make. That's as simple as it is. That's what this show is. And that's what I think Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor does as well. I know we haven't mentioned it, but let's bring it up. It's our favorite acronym on this show. It is, of course, MILF. But they use the same technology, Turtle Talk and Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor. It's kind of you could group them into the same category of entertainment value. And if you're a kid and Marty Wazowski is up there and he's telling you that your dad's got to go buy everybody churros, you're like, mind blown by that. And it's such a simple use of technology. But when you can buy into the magic of those attractions and you do it well at both of those, that's what Disney needs to strive for with these attractions going forward. And I think you're going to get that with Guardians. I just think that with Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor, it is the fully realized version of that technology because I do do MILF every time I'm at the Magic Kingdom, or at least every trip. If I have two Magic Kingdom days, maybe I won't do both times. But that suspension of disbelief, it just happens. You, You completely forget that it is not somehow those images on the screen magically are interacting with the audience. The the idea that there is a uh, improv comedian back there puppeteering the well, there's a digital puppeteer and an improv comedian doing the jokes is completely forgotten. It, the immersion is seamless. The way that they just show you that there are cameras in the theater by having that guy and pointing at the different people in the audience in the pre-show and stuff somehow helps the immersion. This is such a great show and so underrated. And I think every time the Disney Parks fan community talks about what attractions are underrated, what attractions are overrated, this is always Disney Parks super fans, the underrated attraction of the park, because it is so funny. It allows them to do that corny, topical theme park humor that theme park fans love to love so much. Um, and and really make it so that 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 it's topical to the minute because there is actually somebody there interacting, but it still is a fully realized theme park uh, screen attraction. So th- this is low key an all timer for me, at least. Right, and you know what, Tim, to your point, and I, I Jordan, if I may, real quick, is I think the theming in Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor makes it what it is. The fact that you walk in to the laugh floor you're walking through monsters incorporated you see everything in the queue about the you know the comedian of the week you can submit your jokes the immersion begins as soon as you step in 
to the Monstropolis Convention Center, whatever they're calling it over there. So that, I think, does add to it. But again, Jordan, I, I know you, you and Drew love this show. Yeah. Love it. And obviously, Tim does too. You and Drew would rave about this show when yes. we were doing other episodes. Um, so two things. One, if you ever go during Halloween, when they have the Halloween parties, this is usually one of the trick-or-treat areas. And there were, we went to one, and we just sat there for a while because you – there's just people kind of walking the circle to get candy and get out. Um, but we just sat there. And one of the things is they're making fun of the people just walking through for candy, just getting M&Ms, like that, those sorts of things. But those jokes ended up being a little bit more unique than what you see during the normal shows. Um, and how cool is this job? Like, this is definitely like top five for me if i ever were to retire and go down to disney world and work for them this is a job that i would absolutely want it is it just it's fun it's something that is a fun job yeah no i completely agree with everything you guys said both of those attractions are a lot of fun and obviously monsters inc kind of stands on the shoulders of what um turtle talk did for that epcot pavilion and make it Huge in Tomorrowland, um, a sleeper in Tomorrowland, a sleeper in in Disney parks in general. Um, guys, is there, any, is there any shows we're missing before we go on to shows we would bring back that we kind of wanted to touch on that we may have missed in the 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 preparation for for tonight? I mean, we we on purpose we skipped Country Bears, American oh, Adventure, yeah. Hall of mm-hmm. Presents. We we specifically didn't do the animatronic shows. Um, that probably those honestly some of those attractions deserve their own episode. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll probably do those in another one. Those for me are classic. Obviously, I no, don't hide the fact that I'm a Country Bear super fan. Mm-hmm. But as far as the Disney Park stage shows with live actors, um, this is this is pretty much everything in this day and age. Uh, it, it feels like a lot less than it used to be. But I, I think part of that is just rides have become the experience people want, even at a Disney mm-hmm. park. If they, they want shows, I feel like people really want the nighttime spectaculars or something like a Festival Lion King, a Finding Nemo, uh, uh, Indiana Jones epic stunt spectacular where it transcends the type of entertainment they can get in their hometown. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly love to do an episode on the Carousel of Progress, which we skipped here as well, which is a veritable stage show uh, that can obviously, if you guys aren't familiar with it, we'll save it for another time. Uh, Jordana, ladies first here. Which show are you bringing back? Tarzan Rocks. I think that's That's a a show show that is, um, well, let's talk about like the music in general. Like Phil Phil Collins. Collins. Nothing. Phil Collins, baby. Yeah. Like that's something that's in, it's coming back. You know, I feel like I've heard it a lot lately. Um, Mm. And I just think that they could have, you know, revamped it, redone a couple things, but it was an awesome show. It was always oh, very extreme, entertaining. The, the extreme sports aspect, the rollerblading, yes. yeah, out of control. Uh, really, this that show was, I, I feel like it was very specific to the time that they debuted it mm-hmm. and has only since then become that kind of retro cool where that show would still put asses in the seats. Oh, it's still around. It absolutely would. We are kind of in a renaissance for for that culture. And there's been a renewed interest in that post-Disney renaissance era of almost the boy Disney animated movies, Mm -hmm. Tarzan, uh, Hercules, Mm -hmm. even to some extent, Treasure Planet and Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Um, 
these are starting to be the properties because Disney has gone back to the well so many times on the Disney Renaissance classics that there seems to be more and more rumors every day uh, of them looking at these for properties that may be ripe for a revival. And, and that combined with now the early 2000s and that extreme era aesthetic becoming um, nostalgic finally, uh, that that this this certainly is something that if they stopped Nemo, uh, people would once they figure out what it was that the Phil Collins music and the the rollerblade tricks would really oh, get get people really hyped. This would be the sort of thing that would be a viral TikTok sensation. You would have 100%. influencers from far and wide, you know, sharing clips of this every single day. Yeah, that's the show would do be a blockbuster right now. It Animal Kingdom would be incredible, and not to say that Finding Nemo isn't, and that obviously Lion King is, but Tarzan rocks me back would be wild, wild. Tim, you picked one that I would guess seventy-five percent of our listeners or more don't even know what you're talking about when you bring this up, and and I got to tell you, one of my favorites. I love the concept of what you're going to talk about. Sounds dangerous, which was in what is now called the Mickey Shorts Theater, and. Uh, it was a show that was almost completely in the dark. Uh, it, it starred Drew Carey, and uh, it was very much uh, in that mold of still a theme park attraction, but also explaining to you how the movies are made, in this case, folly work and sound design. Uh, but also it was still sort of real because it was a pilot for a detective show, but there was also real things that were going wrong. Uh, and it was just a very, very creative use of basically mostly sitting in a dark room with headphones on. Well, uh, Foley artists made sounds and Drew Carey explained it to you. And there's very minimal um, projection and production to go with it. It was just a really neat show. And the plus side was you did have a gigantic, probably 10 foot tall Drew Carey head peeking over the top of that um, teal marquee on that Mickey Shorts theater uh, that sadly had to go in the show in a way. I also wanted to shout out a show that for the longest time, uh, I was not sure if I made up and just misremembered as a kid because I really, really liked the the property, but I have confirmed it really did exist. Mm -hmm. um, there used to be a Ninja Turtle show Yep. In the streets of New York area, which is now long gone, been bulldozed and made into Galaxy's Edge. I ran very briefly in the mid 90s, um, but I was a huge Ninja, Ninja Turtles kid and uh, well, just loved to be able to see the Ninja Turtles in their natural habitat on the New York City streets. Uh, and, and that is another thing that they brought back. I feel like they could uh, get a, a, a good revival, although I believe Nickelodeon now um is yeah, it owns have, the license uh, to Ninja Turtles, which means yep. that it would be a, a universal thing. Yep. So it's funny. It sounds dangerous to me. Uh, the original show that it replaced there, the Monster Sound Show. It, again, it just harkens back to what that park was for so long and what it did so well was the. And if you're a movie guy, like I think a lot of us are on this show, and you like that idea, pulling back the curtain a little bit. Showing you how to do special effects, showing you, like Tim said, how you can do the audio stuff to get the right, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear a gong, but it's really somebody, you know, uh, whatever they're doing with it. It's a gong sound for a doorbell or it's a, a rustling of paper for the leaves. Just the way they did it 
wild stuff. Jordana, Sounds Dangerous starring Drew Carey was fantastic. Were, were you? Did you ever go to see Sounds Dangerous? I feel as if because you are as <clears throat> young as you are compared to Timothy and myself, that you may have missed Sounds Dangerous. When was it? When was it again? When it was? Uh, it, I believe it ran seasonally well, all the way so through 2015. It's, even it's I say. So, so it opened in April of 1999 and closed in May of 2012. I, but I mean, there I was a seasonal have... run after that during the high season. I know there was a seasonal run for it. I must have seen it, but I honestly I do not remember. No, so it became the ABC Sound Studio. Um, that it kind of then it became a host of the Star Wars weekend stuff. And then in April of 14, it started showing a preview of Maleficent. And then in July of 2014, it showed a sneak peek of Guardians. I oh, think right, it, right. Yes, it became it, the sneak it, peek in, in early 2009. So it ran 10 years from 99 to 2009 as an everyday attraction. And then it ran for about three years as a seasonal attraction. Then it became their like preview center, which then inevitably moved uh, back over next to Verge, Voyage of the Little Mermaid, where they used to do the backlot tour stuff, which was Walt Disney One Man's Dream. Uh, the, the park was incredible. I I love the show. Guys, you're missing the best one, though. You're missing the greatest show. And I, I will tell you, Jordana never saw this show. I think it closed well before Jordana was even alive. And right. I only saw it when I was like eight years old. Uh, it was the Mickey Starland show. Uh, and then it be kind of it was originally known as Mickey's Magical TV World. This featured all the Disney afternoon characters. A uh, good friend of the show, Jay Daly, would have loved this show. He was a big fan of these guys. Uh, Darkwing Duck. Rescue Rangers, the Gummy Bears, the DuckTail characters, the Tailspin characters, Goof Troop, and Bonkers was there as well. And Roger Rabbit and Mickey Mouse were the quote-unquote main characters of it. And then they kind of went through – I mean, you were in Scrooge McDuck's vault, the Beetle Boys. The Beetle Boys showed up and you know tried to rob the dark one. It was wild. It was everything that an eight-year-old that grew up on those cartoons would love to see and obviously again i i think for nostalgia's sake a show like that would be ripe for tiktok as well um with the, with just the classic characters especially with uh, later next month i think the rescue rangers live action you know animation film comes out uh, so i'd be interested to see what they could do with this type of thing as well for me i obviously would bring back dick tracy's uh diamond double cross just because i think anytime you can have a dick tracy in the parks is good. And they did used to do a Rocketeer show for like 12 seconds. I remember that. I, I, yep. I definitely caught that Rocketeer show because that was how yep. I became aware of the Rocketeer and then wanted to go home and watch the Rocketeer movie. Yep. So just, just wild Disney's done shows very well for a very long time. And uh, never forget that the Hunchback show was great as well. So the Hunchback show was a lot of fun about the Backlot Theater. I don't even know what the hell the Backlot Theater is now, to be honest with you. Uh, but Jordana, we did get a question from somebody very close to you. What, what was his question? Yeah. Listener of the show, Guy Izzo. You know, we love to use that term. Um, is he a listener by choice, or do you make him listen? I do not make him. He he, he tells me literally before my morning coffee, a great episode on the next day. Um, Guy, if you're listening, I have the Dolphins at 11 wins this, so you know. Oh, he'll appreciate that. Anyway, um, so um, he asked, what new movie would you put in Voyage of the Little Mermaid? Um, that theater, first of all, that show is just very dated. Just needs a, a completely yeah. 
it's just done. So he wanted to he wanted us to do some imagineering. And um, Bub, why don't you go first? Because I like your answer. Oh, good. I went with Soul only because I feel like Soul needs a presence in the parks. And I knew that good friend of the show, Tim, would not disappoint me with his answer. So I went with Soul because I would redo the entire area of Star Wars Launch Bay and and where this is. I would expand Pixar Place right through the uh, the, the Disney Junior area and right up to the back of Rock and Roller Coaster. And I would just, it would be Pixar Place, the entire thing. Uh, I'd do a soul show there. And then I would do, you know, I'd add restaurants and shops themed to the different movies. And then I would reimagine Rock and Roller Coaster as, you know, maybe a Monster Inc. door themed coaster or like an inside out train of thought coaster. So but I'm redoing that entire corner of the park. But in that specific area, I think you open up into like a jazz club and then you, you learn, you know, maybe, maybe Joe Gardner falls through the sewer, you know, comes down and, you know, then you end up in the great before and you kind of go through the whole thing with 22. Um, it wouldn't be a shot for shot remake. Maybe you'd expand on some of the adventures they had as the souls. It would be something fun, but I, I think soul, uh, I love soul. I'm a sucker for soul on the show. So I would go soul there. Um, that's just what I would do. Now, is is Launch Bay currently running? I don't know. They were using it for meet and greets. I don't, I, think, I, so. I, I don't think it is. It's just a waste over there right now. There's yeah, just it, nothing. It's such a huge building, but now that Galaxy's Edge is open, it just doesn't make any sense because it was mostly a preview center for Galaxy's Edge, and mm-hmm. then had the Star Wars meet and greets. But you can go meet the Star Wars characters like well mm-hmm. during their daily lives where they're doing yeah. Star Wars stuff. So yeah, that God, that whole area is just such a waste now isn't it yep yep so tim enlighten the listeners because i, I was gonna pick it and i said no that's too easy i'm gonna uh, someone will do well, it and we'll do it and I, I i oftentimes on this when we do the imagineering stuff i i try to take the the realist kind of more boring grounded position and i think the logical answer here is in canto i mean lin-manuel miranda has already said he's had two meetings with bob chapek uh, Bob Chapek has said on a shareholders call, we did not expect Encanto to be the mega hit it is, but uh, we need it in the parks ASAP. Uh, this in the Eisner era would already be in the parks. Uh, un- unfortunately, now they operate under a much more play it safe model. So we have to wait. Um, that said, with uh, Encanto is coming to the parks via a parade float and a temporary overlay for Disneyland. Uh, it's a small world. Uh, I think they probably, if they put an Encanto show here in Walt Disney World, they go the quickest, safest, and most profitable route, which unfortunately means much more of a Beauty and the Beast Voyage of the Little Mermaid style show where it is a truncated version of the show that plays all the big musical numbers. You're going to hear your Brunos. You're going to hear your surface pressures. You're going to hear your the big ending song, La Familia, um, and, and, you know, really do um, the, 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 the sets. You can use the, the wonderful technology and, and projection mapping and all that that Disney has now to really get the spirit of the Casa in there and, and you know, give, give the, the performers the the cultural costumes that that are part and parcel with that movie. But I think a, a pretty straight book report style Encanto show is, is the logical fit for that place. And I wouldn't be surprised if we were to see that. 
I'd much prefer a Columbia Pavilion at Epcot, but that would be way cooler. I don't think we're getting that either. So, all right, Jordana, your husband asked the question. Did you already tell him your answer? No, I haven't. Um, so I, I'd never tell him. He always asks like what we're talking about tonight. And I'm like, you'll just have to listen. Um, so, um, my answer was princess and the frog. Um, I think that this is talk about underrated. This is one of the most underrated movies out there. And the soundtrack of this, I think would make for a great show. Um, just the storyline of it, the, you could, you could have somehow have them, you know, transform into frogs and stuff like that and show that on stage and, you know, making the stage a swamp and stuff. I think it would just be a awesome show. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you're getting no complaints from me on a, on a Princess and the Frog attraction in any way, shape, or form. Even if it does replace my beloved Splash Mountain at some point this decade, which may this or may decade? not happen. Who the hell knows? Probably not this decade at the rate Hashtag we're going. Hashtag Tiana Takeover. Yep. Hashtag Tron is still not open. Like, come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, that's it, though. I, I think those are all good ideas. I think, you know, we all went a, a way that I think is... Very much who we are. I am redoing the entire park. Tim is going with Encanto, which is the most logical sense. And Jordan is bringing a classic to us. I, I wouldn't mind a Tangled show either. I think Tangled's criminally underrated there as well. Tangled will be my second pick there. I think Tangled is ripe for... I would actually put Tangled in uh, the Beauty and the Beast Theater, in Theater of the Stars. I'd put a Tangled show there. That's what I would do, but again, alas. Why, why, why don't you do me. that? I mean, like, you can kind of redo that corner... Figure out what to put in Lightning McQueen, even though it's only been open for a couple of years. Get that whole era, Tiana, Tangled, yep. um, and and you know switch up Frozen. I mean, you already have Frozen there, so yeah, do do Tangled and one Tiana and and get yep. a little bit more Frozen presence in where that car is, and uh, you really just, have a, a mean, more cohesive corner in that park. It would print money. Those shows we just talked about take soul out of it. You put Encanto or Tangled or Princess and the Frog in that theater or just redo Prince money with merchandise and good Lord, you could do lightning lane for it. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some presence for that stuff in the next decade because they are opening a land based on that era of Walt Disney animation. And mm -hmm. that is the newest port of call at yep. Disney sea. It will be open. Uh, in, in a year or so. And uh, I think that is just going to be a smash hit um, and really blow people's minds. So I, I think if that stuff is a huge hit, people are going to start asking, where's our Tangled attraction? No. Where's our oh. Big Bunny Frozen attraction? We, we need these things. And again, Hollywood Studios is really the only logical, expandable place or mm -hmm. place with stuff you could rip out uh, in the U.S. parks to do that. You you can't slap a whole other land on Fantasyland like they were able to do in Japan for Beauty and the Beast or in uh, Disney Sea. So uh, I, I think people are going to start asking questions about that. And maybe once uh, Zootopia opens at Shanghai, those questions are going to get asked, which sadly I think means Dino Land is not yeah, much longer I, I think, for this world so in, uh, in, in Animal Kingdom. That might be another episode for another day, but... Never say never on Chess and Hester's Dino-Rama. That entire portion of Dino-Land becoming Zootopia at some point. Between the playground and the theme park, the, the, the carnival games and the old roller coaster footprint and the Triceratops spin. Never say never. It doesn't mean Dinosaur would go away, but I would venture a guess 
that sometime in the when they start looking around, like Tim just said, that Zootopia does end up at uh, at Animal Kingdom in some way, shape, or form. Uh, yeah, guys, I think that's it. That is going to wrap up episode 136, where we took a look at Disney's world-class theme park shows. Be sure to listen to our back catalog available on all of your preferred listening platforms. If you have any questions or comments about this episode or any of our previous work, please reach out to us at thedisneyguysuncensored at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening to The Disney Guys Uncensored. Uncensored.